Hello, and welcome to another episode of Wealth Planning Illuminated. I am your host, Teresa Marks, a senior wealth strategist at CIBC Private Wealth in the U.S. I am joined today by my colleague, Amanda Regnier, also a senior wealth strategist at CIBC Private Wealth. In today's episode, Amanda and I will discuss planning for today's modern family and the considerations that go into that planning. In particular, we'll talk about essential planning documents, taxes and finances under one roof, and the legalities and realities of relationships. All right, with that, let's get started. So the definition of family really has changed over the last, really think about it, 50, 20 years, you know, mm-hmm. kind of where it was, where it was, you know, mom and dad, two kids in a house. And But that's really changed over the years where mm-hmm. it looks a lot different for many of our clients and many of the people we know. So as, as the definition of family has evolved, planning too has to evolve. Mm-hmm. So where should people start when they're thinking about their own modern family and how their planning might be impacted? That's a great question. I think it's important to understand that there are varying definitions of family. There's what the state might say your family is when it comes to who gets your stuff or who has a say in your care um, if you're deceased or disabled. And there's who the IRS considers to be your family mm-hmm. for tax purposes. And then there's really, you know, who's, who do you think of as your family? Um, and do those line up? And if they don't line up, you really need to make sure you're taking a good look at your documents and speaking um, really specifically with your advisors to make sure they understand who is important to you mm-hmm. um, when it may not be the same as who are the members of your genealogical family tree. Right. So what are some of the most <clears throat> important documents that you see impacted by that de- by the individual's definition of family? Sure. Well, the very basic uh, documents of wills and advanced directives like healthcare proxies mm-hmm. uh, really makes a difference. So a will might say, um, you know, everything to my descendants. Well, who are your descendants, right? Mm-hmm. Is it is it your child's half sibling from your first late husband? Or she's not technically your descendant, but you might want her to inherit from mm-hmm. you. Um, is it the adopted child of your child, right? Your your adoptive grandchild certainly you may consider that child to be your descendant, and most states have caught up to that definition as well. Um, but that's something that comes up when we look at older documents, right. older trusts that might have been around for generations that. Uh, restrict things to bloodlines. Um, it doesn't really keep up with what we understand to be family today. So I would say drafting your own wills and your own advanced directives and also just taking a careful look at any other documents that may be governing how your family's wealth passes and seeing if it's time to um, decant or otherwise correct outdated language that doesn't apply to your family anymore. So it's really looking, letting you define it rather than the, maybe the, the state where you live define it in terms of who makes those decisions or who receives that property. Yeah, absolutely. So we also have a lot of clients that come to us thinking about their taxes and their finances mm-hmm. and, and wondering how their family situation or their, you know, might impact those two things, you know, whether it's because they, you know, live with their partner or they have, you know, a spouse that's the same gender as them. You know, how, do, how does that impact taxes and finances and what should people be thinking about? Well, when it comes to taxes and finances, the IRS doesn't care about really anything. If you're men, if you're women, if you're non-binary, they care if you're married or not. Um, so, you know, same sex couples are treated the same as opposite sex couples. Uh, if you're married, 
you have certain advantages like the unlimited marital exemption when it comes to estate planning and portability of your state tax exemption that non-married couples don't enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are married or you're not married, there can be an impact on deductibility of property taxes and, and who's paying what. Is it a joint return? Is it a separate return? Um, all of that really comes down to what's on your paperwork. Even mm-hmm. if you feel like this person is your family forever and ever, if you're not married, the IRS essentially treats you as strangers to each other for tax purposes. So what about property ownership? I know mm-hmm. that's something that often comes up. You know, maybe a couple moves in together, you know, and depending on how they take title, it's something that they need to think about. So what are some issues that people should consider when it comes to how they hold some of their assets? Yeah, this is a great question, and I feel like it's one that we don't get enough. Um, often people feel committed to their partner and might go ahead and buy property without really thinking about the mm-hmm. um income tax and transfer tax consequences of owning property with somebody to whom you're not married. So uh, is it is the property in both names? Is the mortgage in both names? If the property is in one name and the other person is contributing to mortgage payments or the income tax payments, is that a gift? Are you making a gift to the property owner? Um, if you're married, it wouldn't be. Uh, if you're not married, there's a lot of money going back and forth between two people who, for tax purposes, don't have a relationship to each other. Um, and whether you're married or you're not married, all of those things can have consequences when the relationship ends. Right. So if the relationship ends, I should say. So really important to make sure that your tax advisors know what you're doing and make sure you ask those questions. Who right? Who can make these payments? What does it mean if I make the payments for a while? Mm-hmm. One if, what if one of us isn't working and the other one is? What if we switch off making the payments? What if I don't make payments, but I help repair the roof? Right. You know, what? How do all of those things uh, impact my rights and my partner's rights and what happens uh, in the event of a death or the end of the relationship? Well, I, I think we often see it, especially in the death context, right? And especially if there maybe are children from a different relationship and you know that titling really becomes a big question. And I think that gets back to the first question we talked about, right? The making sure you plan for it and really right. thinking about what happens to this piece of property if it's not joint ownership, but you know, how does that work when, when there is a death? Sure, you know, titling really does matter. When there's joint ownership, it to a large extent doesn't matter what your will says or what your trust says. If you own it as joint tenants with rights of survivorship or uh, as tenants by the entirety, which is something that uh, applies to married people, the will can say, I leave everything to my child, but the title's gonna control the survivor, the surviving title holder um, can take that. And, you know, oftentimes we see people, even very sophisticated people who say, well, I don't need to deal with this in my documents. I can do a, I could do a life estate deed to make sure that the house goes how I want it. And just say, really proceed with caution there. Speak with your attorney. Don't try to save, uh, you know, a couple hundred dollars on attorney fees to, to, um, maybe make a decision that's gonna conflict with the rest of your estate plan or your wealth uh, transfer tax plans Mm -hmm. because it's easy to get tripped up. Um, These rules are really technical and you just might not know what you don't know. And it's better to uh, do everything according to a cohesive, well thought out plan Mm -hmm. that accounts for all of these different factors. So just like relationships have changed over the years, so too has science. And you know, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of advances in the science in terms of how people become a family, you know, how people you know have children in particular. So as science has advanced, I know it's taken some of us in the estate planning world, you know, it's taken the law a while to kind of catch up with that. Sure. So so how does that impact planning and what should people really be thinking about 
in, in terms of how they plan, but also making sure their documents cover yeah. those situations. This is a really relevant question to a lot of our clients of all ages. Uh, right. Sometimes you're planning for your grandchildren. So really there's three ways to add a child to your family, right? There's the old fashioned way and there's adoption and there's assisted reproductive technology. Uh, you know, we know how the first one works. Uh, the <laughs> second one we've sort of already covered, right? What happens when you add a child to your family by actual legal adoption, right? Mm -hmm. Most states have caught up with that and they'll be treated the same as any other child in your family. What if you haven't quite adopted this child, but your partner uh, has a child who has two loving parents, but comes and you know, lives with you and you haven't become an adoptive parent to this person, but you're a loving step parent. Mm -hmm. um, they're not necessarily your descendant for purposes of your estate planning. They're also not necessarily your parents' descendant for purposes of mm -hmm. their estate planning. So really important to just think about who's your family uh, in your heart and make sure that those people are named in your documents. When it comes to assistive reproductive technology, there can be a lot of issues, mm -hmm. right? If the biological parents are not the same as the parents in the household, there have been uh, really difficult legal battles in mm -hmm. different states about who really has the uh, right to include that child in their family and how that works. And then sometimes when um, couples have thought about adding to a, a child to their family through assistive reproductive technology and they have not actually brought that child into the world, mm -hmm. what happens then to your genetic right. material, okay. um, either your own genetic material or an embryo that was created by, by both of you or by you and a donor, you and yep. a surrogate. There's all kinds of issues here. Um, Sophia Vergara was in the news in a battle with her ex-partner about embryos they had created. And, uh, you know, sometimes there's the contracts from whatever, uh, you know, medical facility you've used will control. And sometimes the court says that doesn't really control. Right. So um, speak with your attorney, be really thoughtful about this, be really careful and think about what you would want to happen to um, your own genetic material mm -hmm. and, and to that of your uh, biological offspring and what that means to you and, and what your risk appetite is right. for those things. And, yeah. and just know that it's, um, it can be difficult, it can be really emotional, but it also can be planned around. You know, I think something that, you know, we often see is that the couple going through that type of decision and process often is thinking about it. I think sometimes we get a little bit tripped up when you kind of go up a generation, sure. right? Where maybe, you know, when they, when, you know, G1 or generation one was doing their planning, this wasn't even in our scope of reality, right. right? And so I think it's important too for all generations to really look at it and look at documents maybe already in place and go, yeah. how does this impact this child? And think about, do we need to redefine what is a descendant? Because I know a lot of documents right. I look at are defined descendant of like very, as you, you know, kind of, the traditional way, right? right? The, the you know, is you know, was there a marriage? Was there you know? It's it's and so I think really looking at those definitions can be important. Right, right. If your daughter conceives a child using a donor egg, is that right. child going to be excluded right. from your family's right. estate plan? Um, and you know, even these old trusts, uh, there are often things we can do right. to um, sort of revive that language and bring it into the 21st century and make sure that the, the kids who are around your table at Thanksgiving are included in your estate plan, you know, however they came into the world. Yeah. So I, I think what we've, what we've really been saying is no matter what your family looks like, it's really about that planning. It's talking to your attorney that, to make sure that 
who you consider family and who you would consider family down the road are all included in your plan and do that by really doing the planning, not just right. assuming that the planning will work out. Right. And, you know, not to take this to the dark side, but the, the flip side is also true. There's people who might be related to you, but whom you don't have a relationship <laughs> with and who you don't yeah. want to uh, either be benefiting from your estate or potentially controlling your health or financial decisions if you're incapacitated. Right. Um, you know, people can be vulnerable to predatory family members or even yeah. strangers who want to, um, you know, seek guardianship over them yeah. and things like that. And the perfect defense to that is to have power of attorney and a healthcare proxy in yeah. place done by your attorney, you know, while you're competent and capable so that those people who are related to you by blood or marriage, but who are not really the people you want controlling right. your decisions uh, don't have that authority over you. Uh, so especially important if you're going through a divorce or a separation, yeah. update those documents long before the divorce is finalized because you probably don't want your soon to be ex-spouse making your medical or financial decisions right. for you. Yeah. Great, great point. So it's really all about looking at your family really over time yeah. and adjusting your documents and talking with your advisors to make sure that the reality is what, what you think it is. Right. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Wealth Planning Illuminated. We hope you found this topic interesting and that you will continue to explore the variety of wealth planning topics available to you on this channel. Thank you and have a great day. CIBC Private Wealth Management includes CIBC National Trust Company, CIBC Delaware Trust Company, CIBC Private Wealth Advisors Incorporated, all of which are wholly owned subsidiaries of CIBC Private Wealth Group LLC and the private banking division of CIBC Bank USA. All of these entities are wholly owned subsidiaries of Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce. This document is intended for informational purposes only and the material presented should not be construed as an offer or recommendation to buy or sell any security. Concepts expressed are current as of the date of this publication only may change without notice. Such concepts are the opinions of our investment professionals, many of whom are chartered financial analyst charter holders or certified financial planner professionals. Certified Financial Planner Board of Standards Incorporated owns the certification marks CFP and Certified Financial Planner in the U.S. There is no guarantee that these views will come to pass. Past performance does not guarantee future comparable results. The tax information contained herein is general and for informational purposes only. CIBC Private Wealth Management does not provide legal or tax advice, and the information contained herein should only be used in consultation with your legal, accounting, and tax advisors. To the extent that information contained herein is derived from third-party sources, although we believe the sources to be reliable, we cannot guarantee their accuracy. The CIBC logo is a registered trademark of CIBC used under license. Investment products are not FDIC insured, may lose value, and are not bank guaranteed.